Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Rice. Touchdown 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of 49ers fans break down the game each week and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences since he became a fan in 1949. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my dad, Jared, and my grandpa, Mike, and we are a 49ers family. Okay, let's get rolling. NFC West champs. It feels good. What, what did Jimmy say? Jimmy say, it feels great, baby. Um, it does feel great. I, I love that George Kittle wrote with a Sharpie on his shirt in the locker room, feels great, baby um on it um that was such a classic line by jimmy g but hey here we are take down the seattle seahawks uh, on a short week in seattle uh really the niners controlled it from start to finish um feeling really really good that, that marks seven straight wins for the 49ers uh you know couldn't can't really ask for more um how we doing grandpa how we doing dad doing great we're doing doing good. Um, yeah, I, a very satisfying win. But you know, as I, before the game, I always, you know, analyze a lot of things. And going into Seattle, um, you know, I for the past eleven years, Seattle has it's probably been our most important game on the schedule. The two games we play against them, they've been very good. They've won 17 of the 22. Um, and we were starting an injured rookie quarterback playing his first game on the road. You know, it was a Thursday night game. So it was a short week. And then we had to travel on the road. And it was in front of this hostile, loud group of fans. It's the loudest stadium in the NFL. Um, and it's it's difficult to play there, um, so it was a real challenge for um, Brock Purdy because um, it's so loud. You you have to use silent counts and hand signals, and you can't audibleize, and nobody's going to hear you. It's the fourth start capital of the world, you know, and they played very very well. Um, we were playing, of course, without Debo. Um, but I'd like to tonight just spend a little couple of minutes um, talking about some of the key ingredients, the key individuals, some of the players who stood out. And of course, we'll start with Brock Purdy. And I was trying to think of one word that would describe him. I mean, there's many, but he is, so the word I came up with was composed. Um, nothing bothers this guy. And even Kyle Shanahan said, he's the most mature and poised rookie quarterback I've ever seen. He plays like a 30 year old veteran. Um, so, he, and he's only the third quarterback to win in Seattle, third rookie quarterback. Um, and then he threw this beautiful touchdown pass to Kittle. Actually, there were two beautiful ones, the, um, the double fake, which I just loved. Mm -hmm. And he also 
the 54-yard touchdown pass was Kittle was his fourth read. Now, Jimmy doesn't normally go to get to the fourth read. Uh, you know, I don't mean to criticize him, but um, so he, I mean, he's showing some things that are just wonderful to watch. Um, he scrambled for a first down went by extending the ball past the chain and chains and slid in bounds to keep the clock running. It was late in the game. I mean, he's just smart. Um, and so his quarterback rating after two starts is 115.4. Now, there's only two quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that have had a quarterback rating of 115 in their first two starts. And the other one was in Aaron Rodgers. But as I think this through, I mean, the league is 102 years old. And there's all these teams and all these quarterbacks and only two have had this rating. So he's a special guy. And we're, you know, lucky to have him. Um, Christian McGaffrey ran for 108 yards and a touchdown. And he's now just 73 yards short of 1,000. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Jordan Mason. He was, he's the undrafted rookie from Georgia Tech. And he iced the game with a 56-yard run right near the end mm -hmm. so i mean we really had a good draft last year and then there's pro bowl tight end george kittle he had four catches for 93 yards and two touchdowns and he just you know when we have a primetime game he's he's always part of it um he's he kind of likes the spotlight he's he's a character um, the Niners hit Geno Smith eight times, sacked him three. Um, they shut off the running game again, you know, and Dre Greenlaw essentially won the game when he forced the fumble at the end of the first half. Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a tight game until, until then, and then we went ahead 14 to three. And finally, um, I've got to give some love to our punter. <laughs> nobody ever talks about the the punter certainly or the kicker but mainly the punter and we have a real weapon in mitch wisnowski uh he's having a terrific season um it, for every four punts only one is returned i mean 75 percent of the time there's no return we could actually start calling him the man of no return. Was that a song? <laughs> um, and then uh, half the time he pins the opponent inside the 20 and he kicks always out of bounds, you know, so he pins the guy to the sideline. He's just a real weapon. So um, we have a lot of things to be proud of and now we're NFC West champions. So um, go Niners. A lot of satisfaction. Oh yeah, oh yeah, baby, Dad. Um, I know you were stoked too. Uh, let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, I was just super excited to uh, get out of Seattle with a win. It wasn't um, real pretty. I mean, we uh, offensively could have moved the ball a little bit more at times, um, but we got out of there with a with a win and pretty. Um, stayed composed. I love that word for him. 
He's consistent, unshaken. He doesn't flinch. Um, he got the job done. Uh, he distributed the ball, I think, the six different receivers, as usual. Um, put up 217 yards, was 17 of 26, like Grandpa said. Um, so he he was the general out there. He did his job, did it great. Um, uh, our defense uh, was trouble for Geno Smith, um, put a lot of pressure on him. I think we had three sacks. Afunga, Bosa, and Ebacom, I think, were the three sacks. Um, and a lot of pressures on him. So defensively, we were putting a lot of pressure on him. Uh, our, our linebackers, Warner and Greenlaw, played great. Greenlaw, kind of, he had a forced fumble, which is beautiful. And two pass deflections could have been an interception, one of them. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, so our linebacking crew and our, and our DBs did real good. Javarius Ward locked down DK Metcalf, you know. Um, uh, DK Metcalf had, I think, a total of 55 yards for the game. Um, and uh, um, he, I guess Javarius Ward, he got hurt at one point. And so I think they had some other guy covering him. But, but Ward did great. Lenore had 10 tackles, nine solo tackles. They led the team in tackles. Uh, I mean, our DBs tackle really, really well. Jimmy Ward's a great tackler. I mean, he's rated yeah. very high for not missing. So our DBs showed up. Then, then we had our linebackers showed up, and then our defensive line is putting pressure on there. So just all around, it did tremendous. Um, uh, we didn't turn over the ball. Zero turnovers. We had a takeaway. That was that was huge. So those things are kind of what stood out to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess those are the main things. Just one thought. I was uh, uh, reading and listening to some different things um, uh, on Brock Purdy. And that's all I can find is everybody wants to talk about Brock Purdy, which I love the guy. Mm -hmm. um, but I just want to not get too excited and just kind of enjoy the show. Um, but, you know, his strength at the combine and his mm -hmm. strength and his numbers, he has a secret weapon. Do you guys know what that is? His brain. Okay. Okay. Good. He is. He's the professor, and I always swear by the professor of any team needs to be the quarterback, and he's gonna be a successful quarterback. The athlete on the team, if he's the the best athlete on the team, and he's quarterback, I think we you see short term success, but I, I question long term success. So I love his brain, his smarts, um, but his secret weapon. Um, on all the measurables at the uh, combine is his 10 yard um, time, 10 yard sprint, essentially. Oh. Yeah, he's in the 95th percentile at the at, uh, in NFL, like people that were drafted or in the combine, 95% um, uh, faster than, you know, 95 out of 100 guys, if you will. Yeah. Um, all the other, so it creates like a web, if you will, all of, whether it's the 40 yard time, hand size, your size, you know, your height, how far you can jump. But his 10 yard sprint is off the charts, essentially. And that 10 yards, that makes him a very valuable mobile weapon. Um, and that acceleration, he was 45% uh, percent in the uh, percentile in the 40 and 26% for his hand size, everything else, he was near zero. I mean, literally, I mean, he's 7% in his height. He's at six foot, he's in the 7% uh, 
percentile, but his secret weapon is his burst, his, his quick feet in a pocket, 1.55 seconds. And Dre Greenlaw um, uh, commented once he knew that there was a reporter asking him like, uh, your 10 yard sprint is a 1.55 and Greenlaw's jaw dropped. I mean, he doesn't run a 1.55 and most of the team doesn't run a 10 yard sprint that fast, but that's uh, an advantage that Brock Purdy has. So uh, I thought I'd throw that out there. That was kind of a, a new thing. Um, another thing I uncovered this week was, I didn't really realize it, but um, Nick Bosa was commenting on the, the game and, and uh, oh no, I think it was Kittle. Kittle was, and he was commenting on Purdy and himself and just all the different things. And um, I guess uh, Brock Purdy and a couple other guys made some nice Christmas cards for the rest of the team. I don't know if you're um, yeah. aware of that, but anyhow, um, the reporters were asking him about um, like how hard the team tries and just how everybody is so, um, uh, you know, focused on a Super Bowl and their effort. And Kittle was saying everybody's just 110%. And then he made a comment. He says, every game we give it everything we can. And we're basically every game we're auditioning for 31 other football teams, you know, with through tape and, and a film that other teams watch. I never thought about that, but every player uh, is looking for their next dollar and their next opportunity. And the league sees them play at every level, at every position, every week, potentially, you know, and are watching films. So I thought that was just kind of, I never really thought that, you know, I thought they were, you know, just really focused on, well, they are focused on their team, but um, they're also giving their, their best effort at all times, because ultimately those little things that they're doing that nobody's noticing, other teams are when they need a new safety or a new cornerback uh, or uh, linebacker or defensive tackle, all those little things uh, that could be their next job and they could make them their, you know, next pot of gold, if you will. So some interesting things. I love it. No, yeah. I think that that's a very good thing to point out. Um, as you're talking, I pulled up his draft prospect mm -hmm. uh, profile. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, who knows what's going to come of this guy. And, you know, I would love as much as I would love to get into the whole, you know, what's next year's QB room going to look like. And we broke that down a little bit last week of Trey versus Brock Purdy versus maybe Tom Brady. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Jimmy G. Um, I'm not going to rule anything out, but I would think that he's gone. Uh, but it, it is just crazy to think, you know, Brock Purdy has showed and really impressed a lot of people um, with his body of work. You look at his draft profile, you know, he's rated as an F um, and literally as a priority undrafted free agent, which is under, which is the lowest it goes <laughs> uh, besides no grade. Um, above him is candidate for bottom of roster or practice squad. And this guy is just proving everybody wrong uh and uh you know some of the weaknesses that, that, that they kind of point out is pocket setup lacks quickness shies away from tight window throws um confidence and consistency have been issues you know there's always this thing about a college qb versus an nfl qb when you're in college you're still taking classes it's a part-time job you're technically not supposed to practice uh more than 20 hours a week 
um, but you're you know, kind of demanded to act like and perform like a pro. And sometimes guys get into the league and they're able to really pour their heart and soul into the playbook, into their bodies, into their you know skills and craft. Um, and they literally become better football players um, than what they're originally drafted to be. And I think Brock Purdy is an example of this. Um, he has intangibles, as we said. And I think him being in the room with Kyle Shanahan in a system that is friendly to him, um, you know, has just paid already dividends he looks i mean in my personal opinion against the teams that he's played against against miami against tampa bay and now against seattle he looks more comfortable and confident and better in the offense than jimmy g does he he really does he he executes Kyle Shanahan's offense um he had one throw that uh, should have been picked but it wasn't um uh and you know honestly Jimmy G makes one throw at least a game that you're like what the heck was that um but you know I, I am just I'm totally on the Brock Purdy train I can't wait to see what what um, he does really for the rest of the season hopefully takes it to a Super Bowl um keeping my expectations you know obviously in check because he is a rookie uh but but it's it's just so impressive uh, honestly i don't think we would talk about him this much in this way if we weren't um impressed the way that we are yeah He's, yeah i feel like at times i mean it's brand new it's only three weeks old like we're watching a hollywood movie mm-hmm. and they could actually make a movie out of this script but um, right if he takes us to the Super Bowl and wins, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Here's this guy that was picked last in this draft, 262nd, and he becomes a star. It's like the natural. It's crazy. So, anyway, it's it's fun. Um, it's exciting. This has been a great year for the Niners. Um, I'm sure, you know. There's people already talking about 15 years from now, we're going to say, do you remember the team in 22? <laughs> Seriously. So we get to live it right now. And uh, it's really been fun. I like winning. Of yeah, course. Yeah. And he's, just one last thing is his passing efficiency has been very high. Uh, again, it's only been three games, but I guess in the past two years, his passing efficiency ranks number three behind Mahomes and Garoppolo and then Brock Purdy. So it's kind of a crazy stat. I mean, it's three games, but um, it's where you want to be if you play three games. I mean, that's uh, it's very well, Yeah, and I mean, last thing, and I'd like to get it, you know, we need to get moving on. Um, but the, the eye test, I mean, I, I watch football and I watch these QBs, uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Davis Mills, these young quarterbacks that get drafted in the first, second, third round, um, you know, Jack Wilson was taking second, even Trevor Lawrence, he is starting to come on really in the last few games. Uh, but, but just the eye test and those guys, um, it's, it's just different watching him, them versus Brock Purdy. They look like they are lost. They look like they are trying so hard and just can't, can't do it. Um, you know, the 50% completion rate, an errant throw here, interception there, and their team has to kind of like pull them along um, as they catch up to the game, the speed of the NFL. 
Brock just hasn't looked like that. Um, so props to him. Props to Shanahan. Props to the the O line. Uh, props to you know CMC for taking some some pressure off of him with the run game and the you know passes out into the to the flats the checkdowns. But man, it's it's a perfect storm. Um, it's a perfect combination for Brock Purdy to succeed. Yeah, it's fun. This is really a lot of fun. That's the perfect system, and uh, he's a perfect complement for Shanahan-style offense. I mean, really, and his mobility and able to pass on the run that are, you know, as he's rolling out um, and his movement, that is, and he's proven he can do that. And it's, it's, it is just, uh, it complements everything Shanahan's been trying to build. You know, mm-hmm. Shanahan doesn't run a Brady style offense, you know, um, so it's a different, a, a different approach to the game. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk kind of game balls. We've, we spend a lot of time there on Purdy. Uh, Grandpa, you mentioned a couple other ones, uh, you know, it's kind of going down the box score and kind of what stood out. You know, I think a big part of the reason why we won this game was Christian McCaffrey. Um, that guy, as, as you know, Purdy was hurt. Um, did he show it? No, he really didn't. I forgot that he was. He started 11 for 11. Uh, but McCaffrey, once again, took a lot of the pressure off. He was gashing their, their defense um, and uh, was really – a problem for them. They always had to account for him. He was the reason why Kittle scored that touchdown because they were so heavily thinking, okay, where's Christian? There he is. All right. Oh, whoa. And, and I love the kind of like the delayed release off the line from Kittle. That was just perfect. Um, Hollywood. Hollywood, baby. And which uh, grandpa, you know, let's take a little, little time out here that, that play I learned was from Bill Walsh and that they actually right. dug up that play from the yeah. Bill Walsh era um, and even had a clip of Jerry Rice. No, sorry, uh, of Steve Young running that play, throwing it to I feel like it was maybe Brent Jones um, for a touchdown, which was just so, so, was, so cool. Yeah, it was John years later. It was actually John Frank. There you go. 86. Uh, <clears throat> um yeah, it's it's a pretty play. I thought that um, that Brock actually faked better than Steve Young and Joe Montana. I mean, they've run this play for years, not very often, but it's really a great play. You fake left, you fake right. I mean, it pulls the defense. Oh, yeah. The middle of the field, there's Kittle all by himself. Bingo. Bingo. So yeah, that's that was really fun. That was that's that was pretty. <laughs> yeah, it was it was beautiful, and I was like, and that's the thing. I I'll admit, you know, I'm still a youngster, and I had I was like, whoa, like that was a really cool play design. Like go Kyle, and then it came came out later that that play's been around for a long time. Even you know, it still gets used in college. But the Seahawks, and once again, I think it was built on the 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 foundation that. McCaffrey was pulling the defense that there was literally a gravitational pull to the to him and it, so it was the perfect timing for that play opened up in the middle of the field boom touchdown mm-hmm. um, well as I've said all along when we got Christian McCaffrey on um, October 21st we became elite yep. we became we were a very good team now we're an elite team yep. and I, I mean that was that's a phenomenal trade. I don't care what we gave up for him. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's worth every bit of it. Yeah. That play is called Hollywood. 
you know, that's yeah. what they call it. And um, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. And uh, Purdy also is known for his, uh, is good, very good hand strength and he's a, a good at pump aches. He's got a good hand size for pump aches. So uh, he was able to, you know, to do that and successfully, and it looks so pretty and so effortless. Um, that play was beautiful and it, you know, we got seven points for that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that was, that was awesome. And then the other thing I wanted to point out, uh, dad, you talked about pressures and mm -hmm. pressuring the quarterback. The Niners had 27 pressures on Geno Smith compared to four um, that the Seahawks were able to pressure Brock Purdy. 27 to four. That's wow. the most lopsided pressures statistic I might have ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. There was only 61 total plays that they right. had. And 24, almost half were pressures. That's, uh, again, just speaks volumes for our defense and defensive line. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yep. It's awesome. And then um, I guess the last thing that I feel like we have to mention on this, this Seahawks game is uh, Jordan Mason. You know, there's a lot of talk after the game about him being the closer, the finisher, the Mariano Rivera, whatever your, you know, your favorite closer was, uh, is, uh, but as we kind of talked about that, and honestly, I expected to see him earlier in this game, but we talked about, it may be that Kyle Shanahan likes, uh, keeping the ball in Christian's hands and Christian be you know, having that gravitational pull, but, uh, then you bring in this 20, 224 pound bruiser in Jordan Mason at the end of the game, it's cold. These guys don't want to tackle Trent Williams said those guys were taking bad angles at Jordan Mason because they inherently probably didn't want to take a blow. Um, and were, what did he do? They tired. Yeah, they were tired four plays and he, he took that one almost to the house. Uh, I wanted right. him to get it, uh, but well, you know, maybe next time, next time. But I, I, I love that. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. And especially as we get, uh, you know, we're in the middle of December, actually in the second, third, you know, um, third part of December, but especially getting into the playoffs, getting, giving him the ball in those situations is going to make him a better player, make him more confident in, in himself, and uh, will also create their, it, its own effect on defenses of, okay, here's, here's that, that one running back, uh, you know, here we go. And maybe they, they think we're going to run and we actually start passing because right now he's pretty much coming in and we're running the ball. Uh, it's, it's kind of telegraphed, yeah. uh, but I, I love to see him in. I, I love the Jordan Mason story. Yeah. So Shanahan, I mean, one of the most important elements to him is do not turn the ball over. And I think his trust is in McCaffrey, which mm -hmm. it should be. He's, you know, done it for years and Jordan Mason, he doesn't know. I mean, what might happen? So don't turn the ball over is vital. And during this seven game winning streak, we've hardly turned the ball over at all. We've gone from, you know, um, what was it about minus two in takeaways and we're now plus seven. Right. So, you know, you get the ball 11 times during a game. You could you run about 11 series. And if you get it another time or two, you know, the opponent doesn't, their offense stops and yours continues. So they're in the pros, the games are always close. 
So turnovers are huge. And that's Shanahan doesn't, you know, I, I think it's a trust issue and he may be very secure, um, but we're learning that. For sure. Um, yeah, for sure. I was just trying to look up if Jordan Mason ever fumbled in in college uh, because he comes off as a guy that, that doesn't, doesn't fumble much just the way that his running style um but we will uh, we'll see i couldn't pull it up yeah. I find it find it fast enough georgia um, tech. the rambling wreck from georgia tech oh yeah love it any other kind of final thoughts from the seahawks game we went well, into I, go ahead i was going to say we went into seattle um without debo you know i mean and we played a, a, a wonderful game relatively um, and we still have uh, Mitchell and Debo hurt, you know, two offensive weapons down two, and we still have more playmakers. Mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty amazing. And we, we didn't skip a beat. That's pretty, very, very impressive. And IU played very well too, had a couple of big catches and uh, his blocking, uh, his involvement in every play is, is fun to watch too. So, but yeah, just a well, well-rounded game. And Christian McCaffrey, I call him the machine. Yep. he's like put a quarter in him and that guy goes and he's always ready he's um, a, a yardage machine a first down maker yeah i mean really the changed machine. us the machine um i got some personal satisfaction out of seattle losing they've kind of been a nemesis i mean not kind of they have been a nemesis i mean you think back to michael crabtree and you know <clears throat> Richard Sherman yelling at each other and yeah. losing to them in the playoffs, the NFC championship game. So it was satisfying to win the NFC West in Seattle in front of their fans and against their team. I'd mm. rather do it at home, but you know, if, if it was somewhere else, Seattle is, that was a lot of satisfaction. Um, <laughs> so for sure. Pete Carroll, you know, he was losing his mind, you know, um, losing against us. So it was satisfying because Pete Carroll has been at the helm of all of those. Right. Those uh, very. Uh, he, he's always talking to the referees. He's just complaining. He mm -hmm. drives me nuts. <laughs> like, stop complaining. I know. Play the game. Um, last thing that I did want to point out uh, was. Yes, uh, Charverius Ward had a great game, really locked down um, DK Metcalf. Right. Uh, he went out with a concussion. They cleared him to come back. Kyle Shanahan didn't feel good about it, kept him out, after which he then did enter the concussion protocol. It looks like with the 10 days in between games, we should be good for Saturday. Um, but, you know, something, something to watch there. Uh, and besides that, came away relatively um you know healthy out of the game nothing nothing huge you know a lot of our huge ones like jimmy and debo and elijah mitchell a couple of guys got banged up on the d line so they're kind of managing that right. uh, but but all in all a pretty pretty good game and then the extra days of rest should definitely help us in between these two games absolutely I'm sure and Debo's getting better slowly and yep. he'll be back and uh yeah uh, it's gonna be fun yeah he'll be back soon yeah um, 
If this was the playoffs, he would play on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, he was he was on the sideline or on the side of the practice field, um, doing running and doing exercises today. Wow. Practice. That's awesome. So, so yeah, that is a very very um, encouraging sign. I think they're going to take their time getting him back sure. just to make sure he's fully healthy and and stuff. But I agree, Grant. But if this was the playoffs, he would most likely play. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, all right. Well, let's let's move on. Talk about commanders. So the commanders are coming to town um, across the country. Washington's coming in at seven, five, and one. Um, this game is on Saturday, uh, Christmas Eve. Kickoff is at one o five p.m. Pacific. Uh, beautiful weather right now. Looks like it's about going to be about sixty four degrees. Just great weather. Throw on a, a sweatshirt or your favorite. Um, Niners jacket and head to the head to the game. Uh, right now, the Niners are favored by seven and a half points, with the line being thirty nine and a half. Um, this one, the the Niners um, hold the all time series record uh, with twenty one wins, twelve losses, and one tie game. Uh, with the whole thing, and we can maybe talk about it right now or or later. With you know, now that the Niners have clinched the NFC West, um, they obviously clinch a, a spot in the playoffs. It just matters now what their seed is going to be. Um, currently, the Niners sit at the at the number three seed with a ten and four record. Minnesota had their crazy comeback win against the terrible Colts um, to, of course, um, stay with only three losses and that two seed. Um, but they end the season playing the Bears, the uh, Packers, and one more team that I forget who they are. Um, and the, the Niners, of course, have our last three games against the Commanders, the Ra Raiders, and the Cardinals. So uh, the Niners are in the playoffs. It just honestly, it's a matter of are they going to be the two seed or the three seed? Um, and Grant, I'll put you on the spot here. Um, I know the answer, but what what's the difference? I mean, just one seed. What's the difference between the two seed and the three seed? Well, the the three seed, you're guaranteed one home game. The two seed, we would be guaranteed two home games. And then if Philly lost, we would play the championship game at home as well. But I I want them to play hard and go for the two seed. Um, it's playing at home is 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 just different it's you're better off in every way uh including with official calls so um yeah the two seed carries a lot of weight it's an extra home game yeah and i'll point out i think i might have mentioned that last week uh but you know the cowboys the nfc east right now is loaded um including the commanders uh commanders are a good seven and five and one team because the nfc east is, is a tough division this year um and it most likely the cowboys uh will be that five seed um and would have to go through um the eagles to get to us so if we I become if we get the three seed, we might have to face them uh, before facing the Eagles. Uh, so it just it's just a tough sledging road. That home field advantage is huge, especially with the rookie quarterback, especially with the defense that we have. We want it to be quiet for the quarterback. We want it to be crazy for our defense. Um, 
So, so a real, there's a lot of incentives for us to move into that, that number two stadium. We're probably not going to get the number one unless the Eagles lose every single game and we win every single one and we somehow get there. And we're also not going to be the number four seed. So it's really a matter of two versus three. Right. Yeah. That's when you look back and probably you shouldn't do this, but those losses to Chicago and a, to have another win or two in games we should have won but it is yeah. what it is um yeah i i hope we i think shanahan is going to go for and not rest people is what i'm saying and go for go for the wins i think uh the vikings play the giants vikings or packers then bears but uh the giants that might be a tough game for them i don't know that matchup for whatever reason, I think the Giants could could play him pretty straight up. So in all where three, are, all, where all are three games? Games. yeah. Where yeah. are those Minnesota games? At Chicago, at Green Bay, at New York? No, it's in New York. It's in Minnesota for the for uh, the Giants game. But, but then it's in it's in Green Bay at Lambeau uh, against the Packers, and then the Bears, I believe, is at home, right, Dad? I think so. Let's see. Vikings. No, it's at the at the at the Bears. Oh, really? Oh, I thought they already played at the Bears. Okay. It's um, at what? The... It's at Midway. Okay. For Soldier Field. Yeah, it's in Soldier Field, the Bears. Um, okay. Well, um we'll see what happens, but oh, we just take care of business. Yeah, they yeah. finished two on the road. So yeah. Yeah, we take care of business and I think things will 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 come our way. So yeah. For sure, for sure. Very exciting. All right, so let's let's break down this commanders team, get to know them a little bit. Um, uh, before I kind of go over their kind of league stats, and once again, with 14 games down, to see kind of these like league leaders and where the teams fall isn't 100% um, applicable just based on, you know, rosters change week by week, teams are different week one versus week 15 um and now 16 so uh and D, uh, D'Amico Ryan's our fearless defensive coordinator uh said that you know he really respects Washington's run game that they are the best run attack that we will see that we have seen in a while um as we've mentioned in the last few weeks once again Miami Tampa Bay and even the Seahawks totally abandoned the run they said we're not going to run. We're not going anywhere. Oh. We are going to pass the ball and passed it 50 times, 50 times. I think Geno Smith threw what 44 or something. Um, so this one, I, I think we're going to see a different uh, test uh, for our defense and see, you know, can we, can we stay physical through four quarters, especially in our run defense? Um, I think that's going to be going to be interesting, but as far as kind of what to expect from Washington, how they compare to the league, uh, they're 25th in points scored with 19 a game. They're 10th in the league with points allowed, um, to, uh, allowing 20 points a game. They um, are middle of the pack in takeaways. They um, are not known for passing the ball. They're 25th in the league with 207 passing yards a game. They're 14th in the league with 124 yards rushing per game. Uh, but that's uh, a more recent statistic because they started the season without Brian Robinson. Um, and then as far as defense goes, passing and rushing, they, they're a top 10 defense. They're on the latter half of that, uh, ranking eighth and ninth 
in passing and rushing yards allowed. So mm-hmm. um, a, a decent, once again, a decent seven, five, and one team that should not be overlooked. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have this back Brian Robinson from Alabama, and he <clears throat> set a record last year. He's a rookie. <clears throat> um, he gained 204 yards in their in Alabama's bowl game. He's a very hard runner. Um, he just, you know, um, he's tough. He's number eight. Where's number eight? And he has 652 yards so far this year. Um, but he got shot. He did. In the leg. Yeah. So, um, but he's, you know, he's, he's a tough, tough back. And yeah. Washington also has a an outstanding defensive line. And um, <clears throat> Chase Young may come back and play this week. Um, if he does play, it will probably be sporadic. But he tore his Achilles a year ago. And he he's the guy that followed Nick Bosa at Ohio State. And right. some people at, at the time said he's better than Nick Bosa. You know, everybody has an opinion. But he's very good. And um, so they have Chase Young and, and Allen and Payne and um, Swen, I guess it is, the other guy. I mean, they're, they're ferocious pass rush, and they're really, really, that's the strength of their team as their D line. For sure. Yeah. And um, as far as, you know, the other side of the ball, strengths, uh, there, we mentioned Brian Robinson, and just for clarification, he got shot in his leg before the season. He missed about three, four games, I believe, and then has played since. Um, the other stars on the offense are Terry McLaurin, a stud wide receiver, already has over a thousand yards receiving on the year. Um, definitely going to be their I mean, wide receiver one. Uh, and, you know, assuming Charvarius Ward will be back, will most likely be, um, you know, sticking uh, to him like Rice. And then uh, their quarterback, you know, they started the year with Carson Wentz mm-hmm. uh, and he went down, I believe, and it's correct me if I'm wrong, I think he, he went did. down with injury. Yeah. Uh, so Tyler Henneke came in uh, and even though Carson Wentz is now back, uh, he's I'm back, you know, not injured, they're yeah. still rolling with uh, Tyler Henneke. Yeah. And their, their figures, their numbers are almost identical. Heineke has 10 touchdown passes and five interceptions, and his rating is 87.7. And Carson Wentz, who played in about six games, he has 10, the same amount of touchdown passes, one more interception with six, and his rating is 84. So they're kind of even. Um, Mm -hmm. Heineke is just a real spirited guy that from Old Dominion who plays hard I don't know that he has all the talent in the world, but he's just a fighter. Yep. Yeah. So this will be a tough game. Um, When the schedule came out in April, I looked at it and I thought, oh, Washington, well, that'll be a win. And now it's going to be a tough game. They've played very well. Yeah, they have. um, Definitely not to be overlooked. Um, Very good. 
Um, any other points that we want to make about the commanders? I mean, we don't see them very often. Uh, once again, coming from the NFC East, though, they aren't in a tough division. Uh, and their, their place kicker is going to the Pro Bowl. Um, so okay. he's, you know, one of the best kickers in the league, Joey Sly. Um, <clears throat> so we always got to watch out for the play for the field goal guy. And yeah. They have a good one. So, um, yeah, I was once again, uh, many time out here, I was disappointed to see uh, Robbie Gold miss that field goal that would have iced the game against the Seahawks. That was one that I totally assumed that he would make. Of course, they have the dumb um, commentators curse that they throw up on there that there's a 67% chance he makes that thing. If he, If they would not have shown that, I would assume that he would make that 90% of the time. And then what does he do? Kicks it to the right um, and the Seahawks get the ball. I was like, are you kidding me? Um, I, I love Robbie Gold. We're lucky to have him. He wanted to go back to Chicago. That's where he lives. Yep. That's where his family is. Um, and John Lynch a couple of years ago said no. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he blocked it. Yeah. And, so we've got a kicker coming back to us who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And he's changed his attitude now, but, and he's a good guy and he's really a good kicker. Um, yeah. He's, you know, his field goal percentage is like 87% and he's climbing the, the ladders and points scored in the NFL because he's been around a long time. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Robbie Gold. Yeah, I do too. Um, Shanahan said, that he's uh, the best kicker that he's ever had. And usually he has, he's anxious when they're sending out the field goal team. Um, and he almost kind of assumes that they're going to miss, but uh, with gold, it's his first kicker that he assumes they're going to make it when they yeah. send him out there. So that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it should be a good game. It should be a good game. Once again, Niners are favored by seven and a half points. The line is 39 and a half. Uh, so a somewhat low scoring game game predicted whenever I see lower than 40 points uh you know I was like oh okay Vegas thinks that the game isn't going to be um super high scoring but I want to get you guys a scores predictions um grandpa you're up first let's see I I'm I'm gonna say the Niners 31 to um 17. 31 to 17. I like it. So you're taking the over. Um, I will also take the over. Um, and mine are pretty close to you, yours too, uh, I guess. I was going to say 28 to 17. So that 11 point margin, a little bit more than the seven and a half that they are, uh, that's out there right now. <clears throat> but I think, you know, my keys to the game would be, no, once again, you know, take the pressure off Brock Purdy, uh, run the system. That D line is going to be going after him, so get the ball out quick. Uh, and Christian McCaffrey, once again, is going to be a big difference maker in this game. Yeah. All, right. All right, I think uh, we're going to score in the 30s. I want to say 33, uh, 15. Um, Whoa. I might be 30, might be 35. I think uh, Taylor Heineke. 
um, is going to be running for his life the whole game. I mean, the the defense uh, for the the Giants that just beat them, I guess, right? Just on you know this last weekend, they're ranked number twenty six in the league. They they sacked them three times. Oh. I think he was crouching down, hiding a lot when I was watching the game. I mean. Heineke was running for his life. And I'm thinking they haven't even played the, the, the Niners, you know. So um, I really think they're going to struggle putting the points up on the board. Um, so, and I think we're going we're gonna to figure out how to beat that defense um, and we're going to put some good points up. So I'm really uh, thinking we're going to be in the 30s and we're, they're not going to score over 15 points. That would be awesome. That, yeah, that would be a solid, solid victory. And then we can just, you know, roll into the the New Year's Day game against the Raiders and then finish it off against the, the Cardinals. That would be just awesome to see the Niners go 10-0 on the back half of the schedule. I guess 9-0 plus the Rams game. Um, you know, I, I just think back to when the Niners beat the Rams, you know, that, that game right before the bye week. Uh, I remember seeing the video of Fred Warner breaking down the the locker room after the game, saying, you know, great win, guys, that we needed that one. That brought them, remember, to four and four on the year. Um, and they had the bye week. They knew they were going to get some people back. And he said, now it's time to go on a run. Um, and they all held their fists up and they all looked at each other. Yep, it's time to go on a run. And man, have they done that. It's been so fun to watch. Uh, you know, seven games in a row and hopefully – hopefully a few more and even more into the playoffs. That's right good. on. Um, can't wait. Can't freaking wait. Um, last, uh, you know, last uh, but not least, uh, don't really have a story from Grandpa Mike today, but we did, you know, with the news coming out today about the Pro Bowl, uh, the Pro Bowl games, uh, not necessarily the Pro Bowl as we've always kind of pictured it because they're changing it up a little bit. Um, want to just mention that a little bit. The, the Pro Bowl voting is determined by a third um, is attributed to the fans, the fan votes, a third to players and a third to coaches. Um, uh, a cool thing about this year, and it just shows kind of uh, the year that we're having, the Niners fans had the most votes amongst any other team, which I think is just awesome. Um, and then for those that aren't familiar, or uh, in, honestly, including myself until I looked this up. So when they say the Pro Bowl games, uh, essentially what it's going to be is uh, instead of a, a tackle football game where re more recently we haven't seen many tackles and it's very lazy, not competitive. Uh, it used to not be like that, but now in this day and age of kind of, you know, you gotta, you gotta look out for yourself and not get hurt, et cetera. Um, it's it's kind of a joke. Um, so it's actually now going to be uh, a flag football game. Um, the AFC is going to be coached by Peyton Manning and Eli Manning is going to be is going to coach the NFC, which I think is kind of funny. Um, they're, of course, going to try and kind of play that up. Um, and then it also kind of include live uh, skill competitions like the gridiron gauntlet, um, a speed competition called move the chains um, and then uh, two fan selected winners. Uh, from Thursday's skills competition will compete for the title of best catch. So they're trying to liven it up a little bit, make it more kind of fan friendly and, you know, entertaining, honestly. 
uh, you know, whatever. Uh, a lot of people could care less what actually happens at the games. It's more about, and even including a lot of incentives in their contracts of who makes the Pro Bowl. Uh, and that list of players that came out today, uh, the Niners, correct me if I'm wrong, Grandpa, but I think they had the most pro bowlers or maybe tied for the most pro bowlers. No, no, oh. no. Um, we have six and there's teams. Philly has eight. Oh, okay. We I don't have, we don't have the most. We, we, it changes. A lot of these guys won't go to the game and the alternates go, but gotcha. we, we have six. Um, oh, tell us who we have, Grandpa. Yep. Pardon? Tell us who uh, who the six are. Oh, okay. So we have three on offense and three on defense. And so we have Kittle, Trent Williams, and uh, Juice, our fullback, our three offensive players. And our three defensive players are Fred Warner. Um, and I love this one. Hufenga, yeah. he's made the Pro Bowl in his second year at a USC, and he's been just all over the place. He's missed some coverages, but he's been really good, and and he has made the Pro Bowl, so that's that's good. And let's see our so we have Warner, Hufenga, and Nick Bosa, of course. So three in offense, three in defense. Yeah. And then as far as alternates go, you know, it's also important to make the alternates. We actually have seven alternates. Uh, Christian McCaffrey didn't make the Pro Bowl. Might be the biggest Pro Bowl snub um, in history. That's obviously a biased uh, response, but can't believe he didn't make the actual Pro Bowl roster. We'll probably, you know, fill in as an alternate. We'll see. Uh, but others are Jake Brendel, Robbie Gold, Ray Ray McLeod, Debo Samuel, Charvarius Ward, and Mitch Wisnowski. The also are in addition to the surprise about Chris McCaffrey, everybody is freaking out that Dre Greenlaw is not even an alternate. Yeah, because the, with the point being, and this kind of got passed around Twitter today, that the highest graded linebackers by PFF this year are number one Bobby Wagner, number two Dre Greenlaw. Mm. Like he is amongst the uh, second greatest second yeah. highest graded linebacker in the league right now fred warner is actually number four so we have two of the four highest graded linebackers um per the uh, player efficiencies um but didn't even make it as an alternate that is just robbery that is bad that is that is yeah that is bad sometimes you live in the shadows i mean some of these guys and i haven't looked at the whole list you know, they've been good for a number of years and and people see their name on a ballot and they vote for them when their skills have um, diminished. But yeah, uh, the fact that Christian McCaffrey isn't going, the running backs are um, Barkley of the Giants, Pollard of the Cowboys and Sanders of the Eagles. So that's who got more votes than Christian. Wow. Uh, it's just so surprising. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's, um, it's a fairly fair system. I mean, it's been different over the years, but 
if fans get a third of the vote and the coaches get a third and the players get a third, I mean, that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I just, it's hard to believe. Um, Christian McCaffrey was actually in the lead uh, for the fan vote. So that means that uh, the other guy that I, I already forget that you just mentioned that the players and the coaches didn't put Christian McCaffrey up there for some reason. So Barkley, well, um, Pollard, and Sanders are the running backs. Yeah. NFC. Very, very interesting. Um, but anyways, uh, that uh, will do it for another episode of 49ers Family. Uh, really fun one. You know, seven straight wins. NFC West champs. Gotta love it. Uh, another good game against the the commander's coming up on Saturday, Christmas Eve. And with that, um, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see my awesome Christmas sweater that I got at an estate sale for about $2. Um, but uh, with that, I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and a happy holidays. Um, hope you enjoy it with your family and your friends. Until next time, go Niners. Go, go Niners. Niners.